Welcome back to another episode of the Music Guy Podcast. My name is Al Rowe, one of your hosts. I'm a music guy. I play guitar, I sing, I write songs that make records. And I'm coming at you from the rainy east end of Toronto, here in the beaches. My co-host, partner in crime, coming at you from a luxury cruise ship somewhere in the world. It's uh, Michael Hebbs, a guitarist, backup vocalist, composer, a handsome gentleman at large. How are you, man? I'm just living the dream. Just waiting to start playing for some folks. So you have still yet to play a show on the on the ship? We haven't yet. Um, we're all vaccinated. As of next week, we should be green ship ready to wait for, you know, the first guests to arrive. So, fuck yeah. Cool. So... Is it so? There are no there are no patrons on the ship right now. No, no, there have been no patrons. Just literally crew, uh, people in bands and uh, and like officers and stuff like that. Okay, see, I was under the impression that you had actually picked up patrons, no. and then something happened, and you guys sort of had to freeze things. Oh, okay, no. okay. So you were sort of just in transit and and sort of some some things happened and now you're uh, well yeah okay so yeah. you're almost ready to potentially we, do something this is great yeah we uh one i think one person tested positive for covid but wasn't showing symptoms so because that's the case the whole ship kind of went into lockdown and you know there were, were a bunch of people that were in contact with that person i think like one or two people got it from them but other than that you know, mm. they were just, they had to be locked down. So they're like, fuck it. We'll just lock down the whole ship. Yeah. That's kind of what you got to do in that situation. Are you fully vaccinated? I am fully vaccinated with the Johnson and Johnson, which on my sheet says Jansen oh, and Jansen, which doesn't really make sense to me, but, um, <laughs> you know, we'll see how it goes. I haven't died yet. Good. What about you? Which one did you get? I got my second shot. I originally I had a Pfizer shot uh, for my first dose, and for my second, I know I was like feeling pretty good about myself. And then uh, for my second one, I got Moderna. That's all they have. Uh, it seems in the city of Toronto right now. And uh, according to the 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 folks um, that are giving it out, they've been giving it out for a, a while now, and it's okay to mix the two together. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a I got a bit of a cocktail going through my, uh, Fuck through my yeah. veins here. Did it hit you hard? Were you feeling Were you feeling under the weather? I did not. Uh, well, so J- Johnson and Johnson is a one dose, so I felt like perfectly oh, fine. That's right. But I was most of the people on the ship kind of got a bit of something. Like there were a few people that actually passed out afterwards, um, like immediately Lord. afterwards. So I think it might have been more nerves than like I'm not a doctor, but pretty sure. I see. Like, uh, like a needle, uh, sorry, a vaccine can't, you know, to put you out of commission 30 seconds after you take it. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, it could be a little bit of like uh, anxiety or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, apparently there's a drop um, in blood pressure because they fucking just jank it right into your, like, uh, into your muscles. Oh, okay. So that, that could be it too. Um, well, yeah, I, I didn't feel too bad after mine. I was a little, little, fatigued or whatever the next day but uh 
Yeah, relieved to have been able to get it. So that that's uh, it's pretty sweet. They're rolling it out uh, quite nicely here in Toronto. So finally, uh, very fortunate. Fucking took um, forever, man. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a bit of a we've got a bit of a Patreon page going on here at the Music Guy Podcast. If you're not familiar, this is where you can uh, give back to the show. If you so choose, the show will always be free, but you can always uh, come on over there and uh, give us a little bit of financial support if you'd like. Uh, there are different reward tiers, and uh, which, which give you sort of exclusive access to different things. So uh, go ahead uh, over to uh, patreon.com slash musicguypodcast if you'd like to check that out. We would very much appreciate it. We also have a merch store, musicguypodcast.com. We do. The merch store, we've got, we've got hats, we've got masks, we've got... Uh, shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got uh, probably other things as well, and <laughs> and uh, you know again if you'd like to support us and uh, get a little bit of swag as a result, you can go ahead and check that out. And uh, if you just want to support us without spending any money, which I totally understand in this uh, in these trying times, just uh, tell your friends about the show, share the show, maybe post it on your uh, maybe post it on your uh, MySpace wall or something you know let people know get tom to check it out that uh we're doing this cool podcast over here and uh you, you know yeah so uh you know w- with all that out of the way we uh we have a very controversial very hot controversial topic today it shouldn't be, but it is. uh and that topic is is auto-tune auto-tune i can feel the hair the hairs on people's arms rising just listening to me say that word auto tune. Cool beads of sweat appearing on their, uh, on their. You're really painting a picture right now. I like it. Um, <laughs> um, so we've got some information to dole out here. I I think you know we're going to sort of just give an overview of what uh, auto tune is for folks that uh, are maybe not sort of on the inside, as it were, of, of making records and using these types of programs. Um, because I think there's a, a lot of sort of like misunderstanding out there about what it is. And then we're, we are going to get into some tips on how to use it and different things that I've discovered and Mike's discovered over um, over time of just, you know, working with these programs and, uh, and using them. So um, the first sort of, the first sort of thing that, that always seems to, to kind of bug me in it, like it, it shouldn't bug me because people, I, how can you expect people to know, you know, the ins and outs of things? But I feel like the average music listener and fan, there's a conception that, you know, auto tune is is auto. Like sure. you, you put it on, yeah, yeah, yeah. you turn it on, and then you sound like Dua Lipa, you know? And yeah. uh, it's very much, in my experience, very much not auto at all in fact tuning of vocals and other instruments mostly vocals is probably the most not probably is definitely the most time consuming part of any record that i work on um i usually takes about a day to two days for me to tune uh fully tune a song with like you know back up a lead vocal that's maybe doubled in the choruses and like maybe some ad-libs and then like most tunes these days seem to have, you know, minimum 12 tracks of backup vocals in different areas. And uh, it just takes a long time and a lot of attention to detail. So to, it's a skill. You know, get these things yeah. sounding yeah. ready to go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 
yeah, it is annoying because it it ties into the the whole like narrative of auto tune and melodyne being like a cheat. You know what I mean? You just take it and it's good. Mm. It 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 definitely can allow you to do some things vocally that you couldn't otherwise. Like I like I'll fully admit, like when I'm doing backups and stuff, if I have to do a super low note, my voice doesn't go very low. I don't I don't get much yeah. below you know low d flat or c which for most guys like they can easily get lower than that but for me for some reason i can't if i've got to go down to a b flat or an a or something i'll just sing literally the lowest pitch my voice can comfortably make yeah and it won't even won't even be close won't even be close and then yeah you know slap melodyne on there and you know adjust it to the note that i want and you know it would sound ridiculous if it was the the lead vocal, you know, in the, in the forefront of the mix, but as a background part blended in with the other backgrounds, uh, you know, it works just fine. So there's, there's some stuff you can get away with. That's definitely, you know, people would be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing that. But it's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I could do that or I could spend, you know, a bunch of money hiring another backup singer who could, yeah. who could do it for like, you know, the, the a single note of a single part. So in a lot of ways it does, uh, it does help a lot, um, but you know it takes work, and uh, and it is sort of it is a tool, and, and it is uh, it, it is limited in the sense that like if you're not Beyonce, like Melodyne can't make you sound like Beyonce. Yeah, that's the big thing. That's the Melodyne, like the hottest take of them all. Literally, I've heard like so many people just imply and fucking. Rick Beato, Rick Beato doesn't say this, but it's kind of, it ties in with Rick Beato's like, oh, you know, musicians today are just a celebrity with a laptop sort of idea. And I, to be honest, I didn't really watch much of the video. So he maybe was going on about something else at the idea, but like, yeah, you can't take someone who doesn't have a good voice and like, you know, make their voice good it's a tool to fix certain things and certain singers or certain vocal takes are going to need more of that tool than others. Uh, and certain vocal takes won't need much, but I struggle to think of, um, I struggle to think of a, a singer who wouldn't benefit from someone using it on their voice. Like if you had a really mature producer who knew, when to use and when not to use Melodyne. So like, say for instance, you would use Melodyne to fix the things that are going to make the vocal take less like good, which is a hard thing to describe. The problem is sometimes myself included, I will fix things that don't need fixing that add to like the vibe of the track. Um, So it takes like a very mature producer to make that judgment call. Yeah, so this is like um, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe people are probably going to disagree with this approach and disagree that I can even like know this. But when I'm doing any edits at all, so if we're talking about like editing, playlisting different guitar takes and trying to like come up with the best performance or like fixing uh, timing and like a drum fill where, you know, the, the drummer went off beat for a little bit. Or tuning a vocal note where it's like, yeah, you know, the singer was a little bit flat, so I'm going to tune this to this note. Or like 
this backup vocal that, that they sung in, this note is like a semitone away or a tone away from a note that's going to work with the chord. Maybe that's because we changed the chords yep. after we did the backup vocals. Or maybe it's just because when you're singing backup vocals, sometimes you're not like, I'm guilty of this all the time. Like I'm not, not realizing it's like, Oh, actually if I had sung this note instead, it would work better. That's with the exactly it. Yeah. So, oh, I'm so guilty of that. It, yeah. And it's just, it's really hard to do that, especially yeah. on the fly when you're in the studio and um, you know, the clock's ticking and you don't really have the opportunity to go in and look at where all the notes were and listen to everything and be like, oh, actually, um, can you re-sing that so that we can get the word and to be uh, a semitone higher yeah. or lower or whatever? Like, nobody's doing that. Like, you yeah. get in the studio, you get out, and you fix those things later. But my approach with doing any of those types of edits uh, is to try to figure out what the intent of the performer was or is yeah and or what the intent of the song uh you know arrangement wise and music wise is right so like you know if the singer absolutely sang the hell out of this chorus but you know the one high note was a little bit underneath like it's okay to just nudge that into uh you know into tune how do you make the distinction between um like say for instance if you listen to like old motown stuff or just old stuff that's recorded to tape where it isn't perfectly in tune but it's like it almost adds like character because of that how do you make that distinction that's a hard thing for me because i feel like this is like yeah. a super controversial <laughs> thing to say but you could take an amazing vocal take and like make it more perfect at least um an amazing vocal take, say, for instance, you took a Motown recording, which would be sacrilege. A really good vocal take, like yeah. respect. Um, and yeah. there yeah. may be areas in that song. Uh, I, I don't think respect's not Motown, is it? What is respect? Is that uh, yeah, what, I would say Muscle Shoals? A... But yeah, whatever, whatever it is. I would say it's um, of that genre. But yeah. um, you could take that, and there may be a few things that if you fixed them, it would be more like like congruent with what we expect to hear from a vocal today. But I don't think all of the out of tuneness, you know, there's certain notes that maybe when she goes for them, they're out of tune in like a good way or in like a vibey way. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So like, I feel like that, that's a hard distinction to make. There's a lot going on there. Uh, I just, I should just clarify it. Cause we kind of, we're already getting into some of the, some of the controversies. Yeah. But I should just clarify, when we're talking about a software like Melodyne, we're talking about a software that individually can tune every single note separate of each other. You have an, an, an immense amount of control over all the nuance and every single note and how you want to tune it and when and where. And, yeah. and it's, a, it's a whole involved thing. Whereas, you know, auto-tune in the maybe traditional sense, there's a couple plugins like this, like Antares... I was one of the first to come out with Autotune, and there's a plugin called Waves Tune by Waves. Yeah, um, these are are these are plugins uh, that sort of have a, a sensitivity control and a key setting. So you say, okay, the song's in key of C. We're gonna turn the sensitivity up to 50. So you know, however far away off of the the you know one of the notes in the key of C the singer is at any point in time, we're gonna sort of bring it closer by yeah. this much and if you turn it up to 100 they sound like a keyboard and <sighs> you know if you're if you're at 30 it's, sound, it's not though. really that noticeable 
like so it is a sound yeah and we we one thing um there's a really good youtube channel called make pop music which is like very obvious name for uh what it is but uh he uses uh autotune all the time and it's to get like the sound of you can kind of hear it changing between notes here and there and it's not like 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 we're going to talk about later t-pain where it's very obvious there's almost like a robotic sound to it it's more like if you listen to dua lipa i don't think there's just melodyne on Mm -hmm. there i think there there is auto-tune as well just for the sound of of uh of it you know what i mean right just that characterization yeah when the singer shifts between notes where you sort of hear that like that yeah that sharp sort of change in pitch yeah that marked change in pitch yeah i i I would agree with that yeah i and i just want to say like generally i don't use auto tune auto auto it's not country friendly uh i don't find yeah i mean i just don't find it useful for the music that i make yeah um or or that i that i work on but i do use melodyne all the time because you want that control you don't you know you don't want to um sort of just uh, slap a single sort of algorithm over the whole vocal because there will be notes that are more out than others. There will be different transitions from note to note that will be affected differently. And so when I'm working on a vocal, I want to make sure that every word and every note is hitting me, kind of like we were saying earlier, with what I feel is the intent yeah. of the singer when they recorded that take. Um, and it's very easy to get away from that with an automatic process. And it's yep. also very easy to get away with that with the get away from that with a uh, not automatic process like like Melodyne if you go too far with uh, some of the uh, the edits that it can do. But I want to get back to what you were talking about, about like old records and and, you know, why they why they worked. I think there's like a, a bunch of different reasons for that. I think, number one, the singer's were undeniably some of the greatest that ever lived. Sure, So we, sure. we could start right there. And the, the players as well, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you put an awesome band and an awesome vocalist in a room, you're going to get, in, in, you know, throw up a mic, which is a little bit of oversimplification, but is essentially what was going on early on. Like, there were far fewer mics than are used now. There was very little overdubbing, if at all. Yeah. Um. So if you just throw a few mics up in a room and have a band and a killer singer playing together, it's going to sound great, right? Yeah. But um, I think I think that with the way music is recorded today, where a lot more elements are done individually, there's a lot more close miking, and, uh, and there's a lot more uh, attention to tuning as well, and a lot less stuff like reverb and... Um, sort of stuff like that the 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 sounds are much more in your face sure and as a result differentiations in pitch discrepancies in pitch are much more noticeable for that reason there's another thing that i think is probably a little bit under uh understated too is that like the tuning of um, the instruments that were being played on some of these sessions was probably not perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, the singer is is pitching their voice to you know the piano that's in the studio that's not a hundred percent tuned in like a MIDI piano is to A440. Yeah. Like maybe the whole piano is a little bit sharp, you know, and everybody's tuning to that, and therefore you have a recording that's 
you know, not and uh, in perfect pitch. One right? thing that you would be more experienced with um, is like with melodyning, you don't just go, oh, well, that note's not in tune. Set it to in tune. You know what I mean? Um, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are, I've at least experienced a few notes where it's like, oh, no, this sounds better sharp. Uh, and also, too, it's an algorithm that's deciding yeah. whether it's sharp or not, right? So it could be wrong. Like, it could be basing it off of the thing. But there are certain notes where it's like, uh, like a little teensy bit sharp actually to me sounds better than like dimed, you know, perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I see what yes. you're saying. I mean, it's just funny because it's, it's uh, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but it's one of those things that people, once again, are almost like elitist about. Uh, and it's a tool, right? Y- y- like a master craftsman or a master singer um, could maybe sing more in tune than someone who is maybe not like an absolute master, legendary singer. Um, and uh, it's the same with, you know, if if I were a master guitar craftsman, I'm, well, I, you know, actually, this is an even better example. Um, I watched, I think he's Swedish this, a video of this Swedish dude, and it was like sped up of him building a log cabin the way they used to build a log cabin, like pretty much by hand with an axe. Uh, he had an axe and he had nice. like a few ways to hoist the wood. Uh, and, you know, it's the way they used to do it like two or three hundred years ago. And it's like, that's really cool that he can do that. But is there anything wrong with somebody building a log cabin, you know, with a few extra tools? Or even more than a few extra tools, you know what I mean? It's just a different, a different choice, you know what I mean? Um, and like, it doesn't yes. lessen the the person using the tools, like the more tools ability to be like, wow, that guy built that with just an axe. It's just like a different decision, you know? Um, it's just a I find yes. It, a funny it does thing. yield a different result, though. Yeah, that's exactly it. It does yield a different result, you know. So you can't. It's it's very difficult to capture the the vibe and the energy of some of those old recordings that you're talking about when everything is recorded individually and overdubbed individually and you know people aren't playing together and there's not that that energy uh, in the room. It's a different experience and it can be more exciting in certain ways because everything feels like it's right up in your face and the singer's like singing right into your ear and everything has got lots of brightness on it and got lots of punch to it. And that is sort of the modern sound that we expect today. But when you listen to something that was made 50 or 60 years ago, you know, that has its own vibe that exists because of how it was made and when it was made. And of course, who was who was playing on it, right? Yeah. So it does yield a different result. But yeah, I mean, understanding that like, there's also a lot of um, distortion in good, like good distortion yeah. on some of those Motown records, like they were banging into those consoles so hard, as far as I can tell, anyways, based on the sound. And I think that that definitely adds, you know, that that harmonic distortion, the, the little bit of tape saturation from recording to tape, yeah, the transistors, all that good analog quality that everybody always loves to go on about, like. I think that that also has an effect on how the pitch is perceived. Because if you have a super clean vocal uh, sung by a singer who sings very clean, they don't have a lot of natural sort of distortion in their own voice, Um, you know, or or maybe they actually have a very pointy sounding voice. If that's out of tune, 
that's you're really going to notice that. Sure. But if that's going through miles of wire and tubes and tape and and hitting the console and it gets a little bit broken up, the tuning and you put some reverb on it, the 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 tuning is not as big of an issue. And then furthermore to that, there are a lot of singers that can kind of and I haven't quite figured out the reason for this yet, but I think it does come down to like their personal sound and how they actually make sound with their voice and they can sort of add some of that distortion and some of that breath like this. Yeah. Like that uh, also affords you the ability to be a little less in tune. There you go. If I sing a note like this and it's a little bit out of tune, it's going to sound really bad. I mean, it already sounds bad and I'm not, I'm not even trying to tune anything, but when I'm singing like this, you can get away with stuff, you yeah. know. You can you get know, away with pitch stuff. Uh, I uh, there's an interesting example of that. I was learning this, I think, for a gig that you were on. It was a wedding gig with uh, Stereo Flavor, uh, friends of the podcast. Uh, you know that friends song "Ain't You Pr- Proud to Beg"? I don't know oh, if yeah. you were on this one, but the first thing he sings, I know. He's like, "I know," and he like screams yeah. it. That note is fucking out of yeah. tune. But he, there's a right. ton of distortion on it. Also, too, it's. You know, it's got a cool, like, it's not like a process distortion. Like, it's his voice. You can hear, Bleh! you know? Uh, yeah, he's but it really wicked. going for it. And, I mean, the the energy is there, too, right? Yeah. Like, the, yeah. the other thing, too, that we haven't really talked about yet, which maybe a lot of people are thinking is, like, and right to right to be thinking is, like, if the intent is killer, like, if the energy, if the, the emotion, the tone of the voice, there's so many different factors other than pitch yeah. that contribute to a compelling vocal performance so like to focus only on pitch as a reason why something is good or bad is just or good or bad like subjectively or whatever is not really that useful because yeah. there's a there's a million other factors that go into it um and what? sorry the last the last yeah, thing yeah. i want to touch on is is you do have to be aware so you're talking about certain notes being in or out of tune of course, always you're using your ears because, like you said, the algorithm can be wrong. It can map the pitch yeah. incorrectly. And yeah. you, can, um, you can be like, oh, this actually is flat and it's telling me it's on. Like, I can hear that it's flat. Yes. So you bump it, bump it sharp and it works. That does happen from time to time. But also being aware of where the blue notes, quote-unquote blue notes, live. Oh, if you're a music, okay. If yeah. you're a musoid like us and you know the blues scale, you know, in between the two and the three of the major scale, there's some play there. Um, yeah, and yeah. in between the in between the six and the uh, major seven, there's a bit of play there as well. And uh, sometimes even between the one and the two, and there's just certain areas where a singer will do an inflection, like or you know, yeah, and that yeah is actually good if that yeah. if that two flat three two one if that three is flat, you know. Even if it's not supposed to be, if it's in a major scale, yeah, that still yeah. works. So you don't want to, like you said, just just dime everything um, that looks at unless that's the sound you're going for. I mean, so that's something that happens on guitar as well. Uh, something called like microtonal bending. I have my guitar right here, so I'm going to do it. Um. So, like, say for instance, if you have a line and it's and then something like that that's sort of a minor third going into a major third into into the five you can actually instead of hitting you can actually go and do sort of like not all the way bent sort of that sort of idea 
that note's not in tune. And it sounds bluesier than if you were to go. You know what I mean? So, or they're two different sounds. And you hear yeah. that all the time in stuff like Aretha Franklin and all that stuff. Uh, one of the things that I, I want to talk about um, is something that you said. And I want to talk about it because you said it really clever when you talked to me about it. It was a long time ago. I feel like it was before this podcast uh, existed. But just the idea that uh, we expect the Melodyne sort of sound of like perfection on on everything now. Uh, because we have the tools to tune things, edit guitar takes and drum takes and snap things, you know, right to the grid so that they're like quote unquote perfect. Um, we expect to hear that like in recordings. Um, so say for instance, you know, you expect with the old, you know, Motown stuff that certain things aesthetically are going to be out of tune and out of time, but that's kind of like part of the charm. But if you were to like release a pop hit nowadays, like a dance pop hit, that wouldn't, be cool unless you did it like with that intention you know what i mean if you did it almost like because it's cool that it adds vibe um and like i mean the thing is like i was trying to think of how could i explain what the sound of you know perfect versus not perfect uh because perfect is like a gradient right um gradient's probably not the right it's just it's not there's no such thing as absolutely perfect um i feel like if you listened to even though these guys aren't melodyned it's as close to perfect as it gets if you listen to like a live eagles recording and you listen to their harmonies Mm -hmm. like they're you know pretty much as perfect as you can get um at least from a lot of the ones that i've heard like the old eagles stuff uh and it like completely was just like shocking uh, whereas if you listen to like a live Eagles cover band, they'll be really good, like really impressive. Probably, you know, if they're a decent one, better than, you know, many of the harmony singers that you, you've heard live, but it's still not going to be the same level as like the Eagles. Their tuning was just so fucking unreal, you know, even though they weren't using Melodyne, you know. Um, so it's, Well, and their blend. They, yes, yes, yeah. Um, and there's a certain there's a certain magic to people singing together and actually capturing that with you know a single mic or a couple of mics and like yeah. I wasn't there for the ego sessions but I s- strongly suspect that they were standing around a single mic when they did a lot of those uh group backup vocals uh and maybe I'm completely wrong about that but but the point remains that when you're singing together and are very good at singing together. There's blend. Yeah. There's tone. There's inflection. There's all these things that you cannot replicate by having the same singer sing over themselves X, Y, Z number of times, tune it all and slap it together. It just isn't the same. And it it really never will be. You can probably get it close, but having different voices that complement each other and, and sing together because they're they're referencing each other for pitch too, right? Yeah. So we've talked about the um, we've talked about the idea where like a major chord sounds sounds better when the third is slightly flat. Sure. And there's a lot of different uh, instances of this where if notes actually being slightly out of tune, it sounds better 
uh, you know, in context and stuff like th- these are things. These are little micro things that people are not thinking about actively when they're singing together, but yes. they are subconsciously doing. That you just there's no way to to reproduce that with a plugin. So um, I, I would I would agree with you 100. percent I would also agree with you that Melodyne is you know that that sound has become accepted and expected. And I think it's a little bit along the lines more so of the loudness wars problem than the audience. The audience expectation, I don't think, is as much as the artist and producer and label and music people expectation where we, you know, it's like, well, you know, Metallica came out with a record that's half a db louder than anything else that's ever existed we got to beat that yeah that our record has to be louder and then that and then the next record has to be louder. And the next record and it's like okay it's like man did you hear the latest ariana grande like those ver- the, those vocals are perfectly in tune like if i'm going to come out with a pop record yeah. my my stuff has to be able to compete with that my my stuff has to be and then people are you know probably getting information from producers um who you know have worked on these records or know people who have, and they're like, well, you know, they do this, so we're going to do this. Yeah. And, and A&R people being like, well, it doesn't sound as perfect as, as X, Y, or Z. So, you know, you need to, your stuff needs to be more in tune if we're going to take you yeah. seriously. That, yeah. that, I think it's more that stuff than the audience, because every now and again, you'll get an artist like, like a Chris Stapleton or an Adele or Ed Sheeran, uh, early, early Ed Sheeran, at least, you know, where, or like Kings of Leon, they're a huge band, and these are all amazing singers. I yeah. don't mean to yeah, take yeah, away yeah. from anybody's vocal, but those are not hard-tuned vocal performances. No. They're bluesy, they yes. bend, they move around, there's live instruments, and those are some of the most resonant artists um, that I can think of over the last, you know, 10 to tw- you know 20 yeah. years, where, and, and Rick Beato made a great video about this, about how the blues is sort of the key to uh, success uh, in in music and the, the re- uh, artists that use the blues. And I, I want to find the links I could put in the show notes. But, like, that, I think, still really resonates with uh, people who are listening. Yeah, and I mean, the big thing, too, is I like what you said. It's not hard-tuned. But a lot of people think, oh, a singer like Adele doesn't need Melodyne. And it's like... There might be a few performances that she did where they didn't Melodyne and maybe they just cut together, you know, a few takes and it was like, this needs no Melodyne. But I guarantee you that producer, uh, if it needed, you know, oh, literally this one word just needs a nudge. He would do it or she would do it. That's just, it's like to not use a tool because of of some sort of notion of what it means is is silly. Um, But it, it... that being said, it would be cool if somebody who had a really good knowledge of tuning and the different ways that out of tuneness adds vibe. I don't know how you would get this. Just in the same way that the, the different out of timeness, somebody who drags behind or somebody who rushes, how that affects a song. If somebody did that with tuning on a recording, um, just you know, that would be really neat to to have a few things where it's intentionally slightly out of tune, but it's for an effect. Um, but I, I haven't seen that yet. Um, well, I think you, you, I think you described exactly that when you talked about the blues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
like that blue note like you're never going all the way to you know all the way to the four or five or whatever like you're always in between and like that does provide that tension uh and that 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 pull you know and i think that's where you really you know you really see it and i i think it comes back to I mean, it's also because we can, we do, Yeah, you know, like vocalists and artists know what is possible. So I will get clients, uh, artists, um, I send them a mix or I send them a print of something and they'll come back and be like, can you change the word to in that, that second verse? It's a little flat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They know I can and they're looking for, you know, and I'm not saying they're wrong to do that, but they're able to look and listen for those tiny, the tiniest little details and be like, and people do this all the time. And it's like, hey, can you tune this? It's like, yeah, no problem. I, I can. I didn't because I, I didn't think it needed it. But like, yeah, yeah. There, there's all, there's so many, uh, oftentimes there's so many different perspectives and ears on, on a project and, and people are looking for these things and they know that it can be fixed. And when you know that something can be, can be fixed, you want to fix it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially if it's your your art, right? Yeah. So, um, I, I think that that does definitely play a role in, in you know why it's so widely used. What do you think about using auto tune live? Um, you know, I, again, I just I think all this stuff comes back to intent. Yeah. You know, and and and, and if you're in if you're in my shoes or your shoes and you're working with an artist. It's like what is what is gonna make them satisfied, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or what is gonna get the music across to the audience, the intended audience, in a way that they can enjoy it? Yeah. Or and yeah. or what is the, you know? And I think that all falls into what is the intent of the artist. Like if I was working with a blues singer and I yeah. hard tuned all of their <laughs> vocals, they would scream at me and fire me. I'm talking you know I mean? about I'm talking about live though. I'm talking about like performing with auto tune. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think it I but I think okay, that yeah, it, I, it, I it ties in with that, right? Yeah, I, I so agree if with you're that, yeah. yeah, if you're in a if you're a if you're a pop act, if you're a dance act and part of your sound on the record is like these vocals are pinned in tune, then yeah, you want to stay true to the 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 record so sure go ahead yeah you know like it doesn't bother me um because of the a the music is probably not for me in the first place or if it is i'm gonna enjoy it for what it is i'm not gonna you know be nitpicking about like oh it sounds like they're you know there's so many backing tracks and and things going on in live shows anyways and like oh some people are against even that stuff some people are like yeah you shouldn't use backing tracks i'm like what the fuck are you talking about I mean, what, you know, like, what hill do you want to die on? Like, I, I just think it's like, you know, what, what is going to get the music across to the audience in a way that they're going to enjoy it. That's all yeah. that, that's what yeah. my focus would be on. And if there's a tool that enables that, use it, use yeah. it well. Yeah. And, you know, if there's a tool that's dis- detracting from that, then don't use it. Yeah. I, I think it goes both ways. Yeah, you know, true. And I've been guilty on a number of occasions of being like, well, I'm going to slap Melodyne on this vocal before I even l- listen to the performance. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like Dirty was talking about with drum samples. <clears throat> Remember I was saying that one guy recorded him and was like, oh, don't worry. I'm just going to put samples on it anyways. It's like, yeah, like exactly. not even put samples on it, yeah. sample replace it. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And it's just because people just, you get into a habit, right? You get into a mindset of like, well, this is what this is what's done in music today. This is yeah, what I have to this do. This is the process. My drums have to have slate samples on them. My vocal has to be tuned. My vocal, you know, this or that. And like, if that if that starts to detract from getting across the intent of what the the artist uh, and the and the the group and the the team and whoever's sort of got a vested interest in this music, if that's taking away from that, then then you don't use it. I yeah. think that's as simple yeah. as as I can really distill it. I mean, I yeah, I don't have a problem with. I I found it so cool when we were, I've told the story before, but we were at Boots and Hearts a few years ago, and one of the techs explained to me that on certain like massive artists live shows like Keith Urban or like you know whomever like on that level they have uh, he didn't give me specifics I'm just I don't know if this is what Keith does but I'm just saying artists of that caliber um, he's he, he he told me they have a track playing of the singer's vocal the entire show and it's 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 uh, triggered by a, a like a noise gate on their microphone so as long as they're singing that track is is silent but if for some reason their mic drops out maybe the chord was bad or maybe they had to cough or maybe their voice is totally fried and they yep. can't hit that note yep. tonight so they're just going to lip sync that one note the track comes in and and replaces that's what he explained it to me and like i, I thought that was ingenious and uh, and and it makes sense because people are paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars to see this artist that they have a they have an idea of what the sound is going to be they know how the songs go they've listened to the records and there's way too much um on the line for like something like a technical mic failure or even somebody's you know voice being injured or whatever to detract from that show it's all about the audience and giving them the performance that they paid for at the end of the day and that they they, they you know want to hear so i think it's, it's all along that same lines fuck yeah i agree yeah <laughs> who have you heard that uh, about using autotune live uh i well i like a, you know obviously like florida georgia line a lot of people do um they'll use autotune but it's like um, but it's like a, a very gentle, usually like pull in towards the, the note that it should be. Um, I see. And whatever, you know, like it's fine. I, th- I think it'd be silly if you did it in a context where it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there is a difference between using it as a crutch and using it as like an aesthetic thing, but also too, nothing wrong with crutches, you know, like... <laughs> Uh, I fucking if if I sang on a record, I would absolutely need auto tune. That's that's for damn sure. Um, you know, and I'm still working on my singing <laughs> stuff. I warmed up before this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want now. I'm wondering, like, have I ever played a festival or something where there was there was software auto tune on the on the vocal tracks, and like you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't even know because yeah, it would all be front of house. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I would never have known. I wonder what that would feel like for the to singer. sing into a microphone and, like, ha- hear that in your monitoring um, that your your pitch is changing. You know what I mean? That'd it be would so be bizarre. weird. 
I wonder if that's if that's something that that happens. I don't know. Yeah, I heard. I remember hearing that like the Spice Girls reunion tour. This was probably like fifteen yep. years ago now, but like they were using live pitch correction. And uh, do you remember uh, the band Stereos? Yes, I remember Stereos. Yeah, they were on Much Music. They won some sort of show or something like that. Yeah, like that was their part of their big part of their sound was that keyboard auto tune kind of sound. Yeah. And yeah. they they toured with a with a rig. That's I think, that's that. another thing yeah. that we didn't discuss as well too is it like the aesthetic of intentionally like I'm using auto tune. This is like a robot voice, yeah. like T Pain. Um, you know, and yeah. like I'd mentioned this before uh, we had started, but uh, T Pain is kind of bummed out because everybody associated him with that sound, uh, and they thought he couldn't actually sing, but he's actually like a great singer. Like T Pain can really sing. Uh, it's just, you know, it. he was on tracks with that autotune sound, so that's the sound people associate him with. And it's like the same with uh, the Billie Eilish record. They were talking about, uh, they've recorded both of them kind of, you know, themselves. But uh, one of them in particular, they said they didn't use Melodyne or autotune at all on. Uh, so they sung, a, they sung a fuckload of takes, though. So they mm. would sing individual words. They didn't, not in the sense of, like, oh, I'm not going to use autotune because that's cheating more in the sense of we're going to sing through each word and get each word perfect, um, you know, and like we'll do full takes, but we'll go in and re-record the words that don't work. Uh, and But on mm-hmm. her album, you can hear like vocoder stuff that is like a very, very obvious effect. And that is that is autotuned because it's a vocoder. It's supposed to sound like a keyboard voice, you know, so that's a that's a choice. as Yeah. Well. And vo- I mean, vocoder is even like a di- is a kind of a different thing altogether, where you're yeah. actually just playing a keyboard and singing into that keyboard, and the, then the you know the resulting notes are then sort of applied to your your voice, right? So that's that's yeah. sort of a whole other effect, which you can kind of achieve in retrospect uh, with, with uh, retroactively, I should say, with uh, with Melodyne. But the, the yeah, the vocoder sound is an even different thing. But you do. It's no. interesting that you're saying that they did that because you do lose um, certain things when you start changing the pitch of notes, right? As as transparent yeah. as it can be, you do start to mess with upper harmonics and formants and different parts of the vocal sound, uh, where you will lose some of that attitude. The best way I could describe it is like you lose attitude. That sort of je ne, je ne sais quoi kind of like character of the voice does get lost a little bit so for a singer sure. like Billie Eilish that makes a lot of sense because she's got a lot of um, personality and character to her voice and as soon as you touch that with a, a pitch correction software you do start to lose a little bit of that so that that yeah. is definitely it's funny something. you mentioned formants yeah. I forgot to include that in this next thing I, we should probably talk about just what are the things you can adjust with Melodyne because th- as we were talking about before the the whole thing that everybody thinks is like oh melodyne just takes a bad singer and makes them good which it, it doesn't like you can't take <laughs> well sometimes you know, it does <laughs> so, like i i don't think you can make them good you can make them acceptable but you can't turn like um, yeah. you know say for instance who's a okay singer name like a singer who's like okay well uh, yeah what are like some popular Al singers Rowe. That, Al Rowe. 
You can't turn Al Rowe into a Michael Hebbs. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, like, you couldn't take, say, for instance, a celebrity. Like, uh, say, for instance, you know, let's take uh, Hugh Jackman for some fucking reason. He sings and stuff, but whatever. Uh, and he sounds yeah. fine. He's, and I'm, I'm sure he's like a like a pretty good singer. You know what I mean? Um, like, he's yeah. probably a better singer than I am. But you couldn't make Hugh Jackman sound like fucking, you know, I don't know, uh, Luther Vandross, you know, like... <laughs> Brian Will- Brian Adams? Yeah, it just fixes... You're just fixing little things, you know? You could slap yeah, Melodyne on a totally. track, on like an Adele track, and fix one or two little tiny things, and you would never know it's there. You know what I mean? Sometimes you do, yes. but like if you're really good, you'd never know it was there. And you don't have to do exactly. a lot. Exactly, and what... Once you start making moves of a semitone or, you know, a semitone or more, but even like a quarter tone, yeah. it can get really noticeable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, t- let's do a little overview of, of how Melodyne works. I mean, that's the most popular software as far as I know. It's definitely the one that I have the most experience with. Yeah. And I think yeah. you as well. Yeah, um, that's the one So, I have. basically, how, the, how this program works is it's, it's, it's a plug-in that sits on your track, but it has to record the audio that's on your track into itself in order to work on it um, yeah. because you're actually sort of affecting the pitch and all this different stuff. So you, there's a little sort of record button or transfer button in the Melodyne software. And what you do is you, you, you illuminate that and then you play through the track in real time. You just hit play and it will record into Melodyne whatever you played through it. And um, until you print the track at the end, what you're hearing is what Melodyne has inside of it not what's actually on yeah, your that is annoying. Uh, track strip in Pro Tools, which can be a little counterintuitive. Yeah. But once you're done doing all your edits, um, at that point I select you know the entire area and, and a little extra just in case I've actually shifted the timing of different things. I'll select a little bit wider of an area than what was there before. And I just use the commit function on Pro Tools. And you can oh, right-click on the, the Melodyne insert and say commit up to this insert, and it won't um, it won't print any of the stuff of the, any other inserts you've got on the track yeah. that are after Melodyne. It'll just oh, it, so it's really handy fucking if you Pro don't Tools have 11. that. Sorry, Pro Tools twelve. Yeah, it, fucking avid. Give me Pro 12 Tools have, twelve. Yeah, you yeah. dinguses! I tried to buy yeah. it. Can't buy it if, anymore. If you, if you if you don't have that, then you do have to make a new track, route your Melodyne track to it, make sure all your processing is off except for Melodyne, and then hit record and yeah actually print it the quote unquote old school way uh and then you're done and then i'll sort of i'll hide the uh, original track and if i did make if i need to make any corrections or if i tune something too hard or they want to use a different playlist or something then i'll usually just disable the melodyne plugin i was using bring up a new one that has nothing in it and just if i'm just doing you know a couple words in the second verse i see put you know record those in tune them i'll just do it completely separately so there's no like weirdness or like overlap between what was in the old melodyne plugin and what i'm trying to do now so i see um so that's sort of how the 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 general workflow goes and then in terms of what you can do with it i mean you can adjust the pitch of individual notes uh it will sort of display for you uh, a a um a pitch grid, a pitch graph or pitch grid or whatever of where each note in the performance in real time uh, is, uh, as far as the plugin can tell, on the uh, on the pitch scale. And then you can sort of, it'll separate them automatically based on sort of what it thinks 
are different words. Yeah. And then you can make cuts anywhere you want to separate them further. If you just need to set, if you actually need to make one note into two, or if it forgot yeah. to separate it, you can do that on your own. And then you can, you know, you can move the actual pitch. You can snap it into, you know, its pitch center on, on whatever note you want. You can control the uh, vibrato of the pitch, which is called pitch modulation. And this is the one where if you really go all the way, it, it can sound very uh, robotic. Yeah. And uh, there's another one called pitch drift, which will sort of take the average of a longer note and uh, sort of you know tuck it in a little bit, which is yeah. quite useful. I use that one quite a bit. It, it seems yeah. like that's the most useful because it's like if you're singing a note and it's like, ah, uh, you know, at that end, I... I went up a little bit. Yeah. It's obviously going to be way like way less drastic than that when a good singer does it. You know what I mean? They'll sing a note <laughs> and it's interesting to even just watch the lines. You learn a lot about just like tuning and a singer like it's not like sharp like this is in tune, that is out of tune. I switch to this next note. There's a lot of like scooping up to things or this note raises a little bit and goes a bit sharp and goes a bit flat, but it doesn't sound bad. You know, like, not even in a vibrato sense, you know what I mean? It's just the singer's voice is not 100% on the the line. Um, And so it's cool to see, you know, what you can do with pitch drift. I mean, sometimes you don't even have to use it. But yeah, pitch drift seems to be the most, like, musical, like, um, it's the one that, yeah, I don't hear it, like, definitely. Yeah, it definitely has the sort of least obvious effect on the sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you could do timing correction as well, which is really, really powerful saying, and yeah. really useful. Um, and I actually um, I find I do in some some cases more timing than actual pitching of notes. Yeah, you know, a lot of, people do tend to rush. Whether you're a player or a singer, like people do tend to to play on top. So just being able to, you know, not only move the entire performance back a, a, a few samples but then also taking individual notes and changing the length of them as long as you stay off of the consonants it's you really were effective that. yeah one thing that um, yeah is you were saying that's really neat is it pro to uh sorry it's melodyne studio is the one where you can yeah. line up essentially in all the other ones you have to put it on each individual track and you can only see one track at a time but with studio you can yeah. line up say we're in a three-part harmony and see the three different lines that people are singing and you obviously can tune them but you could also make the timing uh perfect as well because that's one thing that is like a subconscious thing even if the tuning isn't good of backup singers if their timing is like rock solid it just sounds more professional to me you know like slightly off timing like i've done if i did uh some tuning uh for a like not a music video, a live, live uh, video, and there were backup singers. And just for shits and giggles, I I did line them up just to hear it because I couldn't because it was a video. I couldn't keep it that way, and it was like night and day. Like it actually sounded more like a recording when the backup harmonies, you know, they started at the exact same time um, and they ended at the exact same time. You know, like because that's another thing that harmony singers will do, myself included. I'll hold the note too long. Um, or, you know, too short and the other guy's holding it longer and it, it sounds less professional, um, which is crazy. But yeah, one thing that you, uh, had skipped over and I don't know what a formant is. Do you know what a formant is? That's another thing you can control with Melodyne. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to botch this definition, but the foreman is kind of what makes you sound like you. Okay. In yeah, a yeah. way. I think it has something to do with like the actual length of your vocal cord or the actual like sort of shape of like your 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 voice and like you know what what makes the sound sort yeah. of sound like you uh and and basically by shifting the formats around you can make somebody sound like a little kid <laughs> if you yeah. go too far with it so if you've ever heard that sort of little kid vocal effect on yeah. different songs or the go, super big and like whoa voice like yeah. That, yeah, yeah, or like yeah, the yeah, exactly. The there's there's some weird effects you can do with it. I haven't found it all that useful for actual corrective stuff, but there has been a handful of times where I've had to adjust, say, like a lead vocal note pretty far, uh, or a background vocal note pretty far, and you really start to hear the um, that yeah. the note is not, um, you know, it's it, it's artificially been changed. Right at that point, you can play around with the formant and sometimes. It'll that get will you there. bring it more in line with what the the character, if you will, of the singer's voice originally before you know you had made the, the pitch adjustment. But generally, I don't like the way it sounds, but sometimes it does. It does work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the other a couple other things you could do, like you can change the volume of different words. I mean, you can kind of just do that anyways with, in Pro Tools, without, yeah, yeah, yeah. without Melodite. So that's not that important, but. Um, we can get into some some tips of of how to uh, how to use it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some stuff that I've that I've figured out. And I, I think like my number one goal when I'm doing an edit or doing a tuning tuning of a vocal or editing of of uh, any instrument is is again it all comes back to that intent. But in addition to the intent, I want transparency. And it's kind of what you were talking about before, where you were saying like you could tune a couple notes and you would never know that anything was done. Like that's the way that I want it to come back. I want yeah. the artist to hear it and be like, wow, you, you made me sound, um, you, you, you made me sound even better. And like, it doesn't sound like I'm like, I've been super yeah. tuned, you know, yeah. like that's what you want. Or at least that's what my goal generally is. Um, so all of these tips are sort of in line with that. If you're going for an effect, then you're going to be disregarding a lot of this and going for an effect, which is also good. And I've, I've done that from time to time as well. Um, but like one of the biggest tips with, with any of these programs, auto tune or Melodyne or any of these other pitch shifting things is you want to give it a dry signal, completely dry. Any distortion will really mess it up, but even things like compression or EQ, uh, especially if they're like the quote unquote analog types of plugins where they are adding a little bit of harmonics sure. distortion will change the way that the uh, pitch correction software hears the sound and it can really mess up the algorithm. So um, definitely make sure that it's the first plugin in your chain. And this can be really cool as well for stuff like guitar, um, electric guitar. If you're doing direct guitar stuff and you can put, um, Melodyne in before the actual amp simulator and your guitar's coming in sounds like rubber bands and you you did a bend and it didn't quite get there and yeah. you wanted to tune it or you're playing slide and you want to tune it a little bit you can do that you can even tune chords so uh, with some amount of success let me uh, if the signal is dry it it does work well um and also too you're saying that the distortion messes up its its ability to 
like be like, oh, this is an A note or this is a B note, but it's a bit flat. Um, it doesn't mess right. up the like because there are certain things if you put a distortion guitar into it, it's like whoa, and it makes like a weird sound. Um, but like uh, you could still potentially run Melodyne and do it by ear for distortion guitar that isn't direct in, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah. you can. If, if your solo is it, re- it would be, it would be, yeah, and and you definitely could. And if you're using, um, it just it sometimes it, it won't correct the pitch very well though. Even as you're I moving see. things up and down, if it I didn't see. get a good grasp on the actual note or like the whatever the secret sauce is that actually does allow you to change pitch of things. If there's a lot of distortion, just sometimes it just doesn't give you a great result. Yeah. But if you're on the dry guitar track, it really works <laughs> really well. It's it would be impossible to change uh, to fix any anything within a chord. Um, I see. With yeah. distortion on it. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes yeah. you can fix notes within a chord if you're if you're working on a dry single. Sometimes it doesn't always work. Um, but yeah, so so make sure the signal's dry. And, um, and then from there, um, I, I always try to stay away from the edges of the notes. And this is more so for singers, but also if you are tuning instruments, the edges of the notes, I mean like the very front of a note and the very end of a note tend to be where most of the character is. Yeah. If we're talking about a pop vocal performance, um, for example, like if a singer sort of whoa scoops into a note like yeah. that or like or breaks into a wide vibrato at the end ooh, and fades yeah. out you don't want to you don't want to pin that vibrato at the end you'll really notice the effect or if you change a whoa to a whoa it, you'll really notice yeah. that it, it it changed so and i'm talking lead vocals so i would i would always make a cut but very often, almost always make a cut after the first little bit of the note and right before the end of the note. I uh, see. And if we're going from note to note, I will leave a- alone the transition from note to note. You'll see the, the, the pitch curve sort of bend downwards to the next note. I'll see, cut yeah. around that and I won't touch it because that's where you really get that, that keyboardy robo kind of effect. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, you just cut around those and work with the actual meat of the note being in the, in the, in the middle. And sometimes I'll make cuts within that note as well. If there was a, uh, an errant, you know, vibrato sort of scoop or something that I yeah. want to bring in, then, you know, you can cut, you can get really creative with the cutting and, and just sort of fix only the parts that you need to, um, because you never want to be applying, you know, software correction to notes that don't need it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm always trying to cut around things that that are fine or that don't actually require anything or shouldn't uh have anything on them and, and just work uh in, in in and that's where you're not going to notice that things have been done you'll hear it right away if you mess with somebody's scoop into their note you'll hear it right away yeah but if you cut around it it, it, it just, it's it's it can sound a lot more natural so that's the big one um the other one is to stay away from the consonant sounds don't change the pitch of s or t yeah and Melodyne says that they have they've built in a fix for this, whereas if where if you change the pitch of an S or a T, it doesn't actually do anything to it. Yeah, but it, I found that it does. One thing you can do with with Melodyne is you can 
turn down the volume of consonants though i haven't tried doing it yes. but like so say for instance if you had an s that was like really annoying potentially you could just turn down the volume in melodyne um as opposed yep, to absolutely yeah which is cool that's as cool opposed idea. to using a ds or, yeah. or or riding it yeah and i've done that from time to time i've changed the length of s's as well from time ah. to time or gotten rid of them completely if it's a backup vocal performance so you can get away with these things, but you have to be very careful, especially on a lead vocal. When you start messing with the consonant sounds, sometimes you have to. Sometimes it results in something good. Yeah. But be very careful because that is another area where you will really hear that something was done. If if it and, and it doesn't, it doesn't always work. Sometimes yeah. I just. I'm so you're saying to, changing the volumes doesn't always work, or are you saying changing the tuning uh, doesn't change, always work? Changing the volumes is generally not going to be too noticeable, but oh, okay. I wouldn't go too far with it. I see. I wouldn't go too far with it, but I, but I'm talking like changing the length. Or yeah. If you yeah. apply, if you're like, oh, this the singer saying the word fast, and uh, like the literally the, that word, and uh, and you know it's a little flat. I'm just going to double click it and it'll snap right in. I see, but you need to make sure the consonant the, doesn't the move. The ah is in tune, but the the f s and t have also been shifted they don't have yes. pitch to them so you're not going to notice that they were changed in pitch but sometimes that will make them sound weird i see that's cool that's Phrase really it cool. other than that so so i will cut around those and not alter their pitch even though melodyne does say that you can alter their pitch and it, it doesn't matter because they have an algorithm for it i have found that to not be true so i will cut around them and um, and I will also avoid changing their length at all costs. So if I am doing some timing stuff, I'll make sure that however I'm selecting the different areas that I'm that I'm timing, that the the S's and T's and stuff and G's and D's and all those kinds of things are not being stretched at all. They're they're they may be moving back and forth in time, but they're not being stretched. Uh, that's that's a really key one. Um, another couple like quick things. I find it very useful to tune bass. Um, not always, not always, but uh, bass guitar oh, yeah. uh, more so than than bass synth because bass synth is generally right in tune. But uh, sometimes it's not. Sometimes those patches can be a little weird. Um, if the bass is out of tune significantly, it will affect your entire track, especially if everybody's been tuning. Yeah. To you know a four forty like. You're doing a lot of overdubs. You've got keyboards. You got synths in there, but you've got a live bass that you know the player was hitting it a little hard and it was coming in a bit sharp. If you um, tune those notes, it makes a huge difference because that is your fundamental pitch for your track, and all the other instruments are, rel- are relative to that. So yeah. uh, you got to be real careful. On the flip side of that, I had a really interesting situation where I was working on this this metal group and. Uh, it was a, it was a guitarist and a bass player, and I recorded their tracks and I pulled the bass up. I was like, all right, I'm going to melodyne the bass. I always melodyne the bass because it makes the track sound better. Melodyne the bass, and it sounded awful. It sounded really? awful. Really? Um, because the guitarist and the bassist both sort of played pretty aggressively with the pick, so they were actually both kind of bending their instruments a bit sharp. So it yeah. actually sounded better to just leave them both alone. And it was not like a pitched vocal. It was all like aggressive vocal. Yeah. So it didn't matter if the tuning was, was in or not, uh, as long as it sounded good together. A lesser person would have 
stuck to using the Melodyne. You know what I mean? They would have been like, no, Melodyne has made it better. You know what I mean? Uh, I must leave Melodyne on. That's the, I, that's the scariest yeah. thing about Melodyne and in pretty much all of the tools, like compressor, EQ. It's just like, am I making this better? You know, am I just putting this yes. on because that's what I do? Or am I making it better? You know, and I feel like an amazing producer, an amazing engineer would only think to use these tools when it's like, oh, I, I can make this better. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely. Yeah. You know, we could have, that could have been the whole podcast, what you just said. Like that was, <laughs> that was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to that point, uh, the last thing I'll say here is if you're tuning something, really try your best to do it in context of the track. I see. When you're tuning background stacks, it can be really hard to do that. I, I do often have to solo things just so that I know what the heck I'm working on because there's so many different tracks and it's it's really hard to know where you are at any given time. But keep unsoloing and bringing the band back in. Or if you're doing a lead vocal, you shouldn't need to solo it at all. Yeah. Just do it against the band because... As we've mentioned, sometimes the algorithms aren't right and you're actually, you don't need to bring something into pitch because it was already in tune. It's just showing you that it's not because it's wrong. And other times uh, you just, you'll notice that you're going too hard with some of these controls against the track, but you won't notice it in solo because you, yeah. you have nothing to sort of ground you. You're just, you're looking at pitch grid information being like well this this could be closer to in tune so i'm going to do it yeah you know you're not really you don't have that context so try to um you know have the plugins you would normally have on it put your eq and compression after melodyne put your reverb put your any distortion you're going to be using you know after melodyne of course but put all your vocal effects on there so that you're listening to it as it's going to be in the track and then when you're making your tuning decisions you'll you, you know, you can use your ears and you'll have that perspective where it's like, no, you know what? This actually works. It just, it sounds yeah. good. I'm not going to move it. It sounds yeah. good. I'm not going to move it. Or, you know, sometimes I'll be like, I'll do this all the time. I'll be like, sounds good. What if I moved it? And then I move yes. it. And I'm like, okay, it actually, so it actually sounds a little bit better. Okay. I'm going to, you know, but just having the, the perspective to be like, this already sounds good. I may not need to do anything to this or yeah. I don't need to do anything to this. If you're doing things in solo, if your vocal is vastly louder than the rest of your track, if you don't have your usual compression and processing on it, you're going to make different decisions. That's and really why not just make decisions in the context of where it's going to end up? Um, we have the power to do that nowadays with, with Pro Tools and all these other software. So why not do it that way? So... Uh, those clever. are my tips. Those are my tips. Tips and tricks. Um, do you have any closing thoughts on this topic? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, not really. <laughs> uh, just uh, don't be so stupid about Melodyne. Let people Melodyne if they want to, <laughs> or don't Melodyne if you don't want to. But also, too, I mean, Melodyne <laughs> if you should, though. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not yeah. going for an effect or... If it doesn't make sense for you, if if it makes sense for you to Melodyne, you should Melodyne. Like, the, I've definitely heard of engineers hearing from artists being like, oh, yeah, no, I don't use Melodyne. And it's like, well, depends on what you do. Like, if you're a fucking old school blues singer, then sure. But if you're trying to make a pop hit and, like, 
you're trying to make like a pop dance hit, like a Dua Lipa sort of like super process sort of thing, you you just have to use Melodyne. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, unless you have some sort of thing that you're trying to do that isn't Melodyne, but I feel like you have to understand what Melodyne brings to the table in order to make that decision that, no, no, I'm not going to do Melodyne. Like Billie Eilish, we're going to, you know, do it this other way to make up for the fact that we're not using Melodyne or we're going to do it this other way and it's going to bring this to the table to just not use it because you want to be fucking legit it makes you really fucking dumb yeah i would not be too headstrong about that stuff there's actually this is an interesting maybe another discussion i don't want to go too much longer but yeah. um the um the, there's two sides to this coin uh the more common side that i find is a vo- the vocalist or the artist is like i want you to tune me i want you to make me yeah. in tune you know yeah. and and great like i'm happy to do that and and you have to decide if you're the producer or or whatever if you're in if you're the person who is in charge of doing that part of the record um you know you have to decide how badly you want your job because this is a customer service industry so if you're headstrong about well no i never do that you're just gonna have to sing it perfectly like this this is not a this is not a dynamic that is going to lead to happiness on either side of of yeah right so like you know most artists really want you to do it and and that's cool and i'm i'm more than happy to and because uh i want to execute their vision and i want them to be happy with the work that i'm doing so my advice to people would be if if your artists uh want you to use melodyne use melodyne yeah Uh, if they want you to use autotune use melodyne and, exp- yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. explain to them, like, actually, I have this software that's actually even better than AutoTune because I can control, I have more control, you know? Yeah. Uh, some people may not know about that, but most of them, most people do. Um, so, you know, I would recommend that. I would recommend getting yourself a copy if you are a person who is trying to make a career or has a career in production and getting good at using it because it's yeah. very widespread and, Be a, and good a lot of people want it. Be a good place to start. Yeah, but the the flip side of this coin is when artists say, I don't want you to do that to my voice. And this is a really interesting, there's a really interesting dance where um, if, if, a, if a singer does not expressly say, I want you to tune me or like, oh, you'll, you can just fix that, right? You can just fix that note. Yeah, no problem. I'll fix the note. No problem. But if they don't say anything, I don't say anything. And then when they get the track back, it is tuned transparently. Yes. And if I did my job right, they're not coming back to me being like, yo, why did you tune me? Yes. Um, Yeah. It's like they hear it and they're like, oh, that sounds great. Awesome. I used the tool in a way that made it good and they were happy with it. But I would not necessarily volunteer that information to a singer who is not brought it up first because i imagine that some people could be quite sensitive about that if we're in the studio and i'm just like oh don't worry i'll just melody what you just yeah. sung and they're yeah, like yeah. what then yeah. that, that you know that's not cool so I, I i would i that's another sort of way to look at it i will use it sometimes I, I often won't even tell um people that i'm doing it because i like you and i both said if it makes the end result better and executes the artist's vision more clearly then i think that it worked well and they yeah. hopefully won't 
uh, have a problem with it. And if they do have a problem with it, You'll take then it off. Yeah. I will back it off or I'll... Have, have you ever had an artist saying, absolutely not, we will not tune my voice at all? No, Me but neither. I have had... Um, I've had... I definitely have worked with people who are um, skeptical of it or like not... Yeah. Like yeah. averse to it, like they wanna, they wanna, they wanna sing it right. Like they, they, they're like, you know, they want to make sure they get the right take. And I, I totally respect that. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've had mixing gigs too, where this is like another sort of situation, maybe. But like somebody will send me a track to mix, and to my ears, the vocal is is not really sitting in tune, and yeah. I think it that affects the mix. You know. When things yeah, are, yeah, yeah. aren't jiving. Especially and so I'll get the odd mixing job where I'm like, I got to go in here and tune this vocal. Yeah. And I won't say to them, hey, I'm I, also I tuned your voice, you know, because yeah, that's yeah. like, why do I need to say that? You know, that's rude, I think. And and that could definitely be off putting. But again, if I do it transparently and send them back a bang and mix and they go, oh, my God, the vocal sounds amazing. What did you do to it? Oh, yeah. You know, I just put yeah. some compression on it. You know, you know what I mean? Andrew Shep says he does the same thing with editing. Um, if he gets sent something yeah. and, and the, the drums aren't sitting right or the bass isn't sitting right or the guitar isn't sitting right, he will nudge things. And he won't say anything about it. He'll just totally. do it. Um, totally. Because it affects of the mix. Course, yeah, because it's not... It, it affects the mix and it's not really my place or his place to come back at the artist and say, hey, like... Just so you know, I edited a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that was your job. Your yeah. job is to make the, the music great. Just do what you think you need to do to make the music great. And, you know, I've done stuff like that before, actually. And the artist has come back and say, hey, like, I noticed you edited this part. And I I, I actually like the way it was before. Like, I think it's a bit too tight. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. no problem. No That's problem. exactly it. Good for you I, for I, being able right, to I, hear that. You're right. I did. You're right. I did. And I'll, I will change it back. No problem. Yeah. I thought, it, I, yeah. you know, I thought it was going to help, but. No problem. I can easily change you, that back. You know, you don't uh, consult the artist every time you throw a new plugin on or change the settings of a compressor. So exactly, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. So I would not volunteer that. People are fucking dumb about yeah, Melodyne, that's great, though. Great that's my that's my closing note. People are fucking <laughs> stupid about Melodyne. Shut your goddamn mouths. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yeah, you heard it here. Um. All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. If you would like to get in touch with us, you could do so at musicguypodcast at gmail.com. You could submit a song to us, which we haven't played much music lately. So if you'd like to submit a song for us to play, you could do so there. You could hit us up on social media, Music Guy Podcast on Instagram. I'm at Music. Michael is at BrunoTheMeek. And uh, you could, of course... Hit up the Patreon if you'd like to support the show. If you enjoy what we're doing here, you can hit up the merch store on the official website, musicguypodcast.com. And uh, you can always tell your friends and your families and their friends and families about the show and how awesome you think it is. We would appreciate it very, very much. I wouldn't know what to do with our listeners' money, but if they would just share it, that that that's cool with me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Word of mouth. It's still the most powerful thing yeah. uh, going, I think. Um, so with that, we will look forward to talking at you once again next week. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye for now.